Welcome to Bethel Cleveland's Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy today's message. For more information on this podcast and other resources, please go to BethelCleveland.com. Merry Christmas. Tell the person next to you, have you done this already? Merry Christmas, tell them. This is Christmas Sunday, so good to have you here today. And uh, you know what we do on Christmas every year is we take up a special offering. I know it sounds like we got all offerings today, but uh, we really don't. Um, but we do it, we've typically done it for things around the world. And there's so many things around the world that need to be taken care of, and we're gonna do that too, you know, throughout 2021 as we have in the past. But we felt this Christmas we wanted to really focus on those within our congregation that are in need. So we already had some fundraising to help them with Christmas, being able to get gifts. We had a number of people. I filled out a a lot of cards, just uh, wishing people Merry Christmas, helping them with some of the money that you've given. But now, as you know, because of the pandemic, there's some great needs going on within people in our church. And the Lord gave me the verse that, you know, that we be givers, that we be open, that we love and everything, especially to the household of faith. And uh, it just kind of turned my attention back to our local church here, our three campuses. There's a lot of people in need right now. We just want to help them out. So we're taking up a special offering. We do not pass a basket. As you know, we've got a box in the back. If you could be thinking about that during the service on your way out, and all you need to do is if you put it in the box is mark it special. It'll go toward needs of the people sitting right near you that be in difficulty. And up here, can we put up here the special slide uh, that tells a text to give, as you're well familiar with. If you've never done this before, you just text that number and it'll prompt you. It takes a credit card, very secure. I use this all the time. Very secure uh, way to give. And, uh, and then it'll lead you through that. And what you want to do is when you finally text it according to the prompt, you say special uh, space and then an amount. In this case, 250 is up there. But if you get $10, $100, whatever it might be, it's all going to go directly to helping people in need within our congregation. So thank you very much. We can go back to the other slide there if you want. Open your Bibles, if you could, to Isaiah 9. Isaiah 9. What a great time of the year high holiday of the church celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ this year. This year, unlike any other year, I'm glad to gather together. This is a real blessing. Does it feel good to you? You're not sure about the person next to you or what's, what's going on here? Yeah, yeah, it's a good thing. We're gathering together on the Lord's Day, Christmas Sunday, to honor the Lord Jesus Christ. Isaiah chapter 9 I've been talking this month about Christmas light and the light of the gospel, Jesus Christ. The number one thing he did, we could talk about all the various things that happened because of Jesus, but when he came, the lights were turned on. And in the time of Christ, it's possibly one of the most difficult moments in Jewish history. I mean, they were oppressed by the Romans. They didn't have the freedom that they would have liked to have had. Uh, They had the temple there in Jerusalem, but I mean, it was just, it was oppressive. In fact, even in the Jewish religion, they had formed into various sectors within the Jewish understanding. You had the Pharisees, you had the Sadducees, 
You had the Essens who are, who are kind of like John the Baptist. They were out in the wilderness. All these various groups that had split up to, and they all became pretty legalistic, particularly the Pharisees. The Pharisees, over time, and with the help of others, <laughs> had invented hundreds of new laws that you needed to do if you were a follower of God. So Israel's oppression in the first century wasn't just from the world government. It was from their religion. Any of you have been oppressed by a religion? Don't raise your hand. <laughs> yeah, we all have had that. You know, somebody said, well, this is what you need to do. That's what you need to do. I mean, they had, they had all these laws, hundreds of them on them. They were walking around. I mean, they've been walking around straight, but in their spirit, they were an oppressed people feeling the weight of all that I coulda, shoulda, woulda. And in the midst of that darkness, you know, came a shining light. In Isaiah, hundreds of years before Jesus was even born, he prophesies it. Isaiah is one of the major prophets of the Old Testament. He, in fact, some, some writers, some commentaries call Isaiah the gospel of the Old Testament. There are so many messianic or messiah-based prophecies in the book of Isaiah Hundreds of years before Jesus ever came, he's speaking to this issue. He's speaking, he's giving hope to people when they cannot see it at all. He's prophesying and then saying, this is going to happen. You're gonna experience something very powerful. He's preparing them. He's stirring up anticipation and hope. Did you know the Bible says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. Now, have you ever had like something that you're promised or something you were expecting and it's delay, delay, delay? Delay, I mean, like a vaccine for a virus or something, and delay, delay, you know, but it comes in record time. I mean, it's, we've been such, through such a tutoring this year of learning how to wait on God, how to trust in God, how to pray for, we, we are in a dark time right now in our nation. So many things are swirling around right now. This Isaiah prophecy is very appropriate for where we are and who we are right now. In Isaiah chapter 9, he says this. Isaiah begins to prophesy, and he says, the people who walked in darkness, he's talking about Israel, have seen a great light. He's describing the impact of Jesus Christ on a generation of people that are in great darkness and feel no hope. And feel sinful, just feel dreadful, feel gross, feel overwhelmed, feel boxed in. No freedom. I mean, that feeling, we've only had a taste of it over this past nine months. But there's people that have never tasted freedom in their entire lives. And so he's prophesying into a generation saying, look, you may not see it in this generation, but there's a light coming. And sometimes knowing that a light is coming is enough to stir your heart and get you out of bed the next day. And the birth of Jesus Christ is all about that light. In John chapter one, it says, that, that, that he came and dwelt among us and his life, his life was a light. The very, I mean, how much, how much light can, a, how much solutions can a baby bring to you? Not many, but a baby speaks of hope, the anticipation this child is going to grow up. This child is sent by God. This child is God in the flesh came here, his life is a light and the light shines among men. But the darkness did not comprehend it. And in truth, in the, in the Greek, I mentioned it last week, it, 
it did not overcome it. In other words, the light, how many of you know, if you know science, we want to be science-based here. Light always wins over darkness. The smallest light wins over darkness. I got a little tiny candle, and if I come into this dark room, and trust me, at night, this room is dark. I've been here. One little light, all of a sudden it gives you a measure of clarity. As the light grows greater and greater clarity, darkness cannot fight against light. Jesus was the entrance of that light. Isaiah says, people who've walked in darkness have seen a great light. This could apply in the first century. This could apply in the time of Isaiah. This could apply to you right now. Those who dwell in the land of the shadow of death, over 300,000 people died from COVID over these past nine months. Upon them, a light has shined. You have multiplied the nation and increased its joy. They rejoice before you. It's speaking of Jesus, the child. I mean, it's bringing of joy right now this season. It's just such a time of joy and anticipation. We're really finding out this, the constructs of our own Christianity. In this moment right now, we're finding out whether we really do trust in Jesus or not. I was reading an article last night about martial law and protests and uh, mutated viruses, you know, more to come. And, you know, in the midst of this, you've got to push the pause button and say, wait a minute. Am I going to be governed daily by what I read, what I see, what I hear? Or is my life going to be governed by what I believe in Jesus Christ? Amen. What I know that Jesus is, that he is a light shining in darkness. Actually, there is no greater time to talk to people about Jesus Christ than right now. I mean, they, they are ripe. Trust me, I talk to them. They are ripe. They are open. They pour out your heart. I just start up conversations. I was in a store buying a flannel shirt yesterday and a lady in front of me and I just, you know, nobody kind of is talking but everyone wants to talk. I just started talking to her. I mean, right there, it's an open door. To, at the very least, insert encouragement. To put courage in someone. To the very most, explore the very power of Jesus Christ over a person's life. This is the time to do it. It doesn't get any better than this. The worse it is, the better it is for the gospel of Jesus Christ because it's the gospel is the good news of Jesus. And I got good news to share with you today. Jesus is alive and Jesus is living in people's hearts. And although it feels like there's been a cloud or a blanket that's being put over you, do not let that happen in your life for he is a garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness. It gives you beauty for ashes and joy in times of mourning. We've got, to, we've got to fight for the side of Christ in our lives. This babe was born, it says, for you have broken the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder. In other words, this, this promise is about breaking yokes. These are not egg yokes. These are yokes of bondage. Breaking staffs on your, on your shoulder. Breaking the rod of the oppressor. How's God gonna do it? Verse six, this is God's plan. <laughs> God, the most innovative disruptor in the universe. God always does things to blow people's minds. When people are expecting the king to come into Jerusalem on a big white horse, he gets on a donkey. Why? Why, Jesus? Why do you do that? I mean, when he's selecting somebody to introduce the Lord Jesus Christ into the world, 
He selects a woman. They were despised in the first century, lesser than men. Some places they still are in the 21st century. Pharisees themselves would say every day, they'd say, thank God I'm not a Gentile and I'm not a woman. I mean, the religious spirit was so strong, it was hideous. But Jesus says, how about we put a seed in a woman and have a babe be born? I mean, what did the angels say? <laughs> I thought, oh God, that is gonna be disruptive. In fact, let's, let's put it in a woman who's not married. Lord, I don't know, that's scandalous. I mean, what's the, how's that gonna fly in the first century? In the midst of darkness, we need to draw attention and shine a light. How about if we align the planets and align the stars in such a way there'll be a guiding light in the heavens? By the way, scientists tell us that tomorrow's the day. We've got to pray for a clear day in Cleveland. Saturn, Jupiter's lining up, creating what's known as the Christmas star. Hasn't been around for 800 years. It's actually a couple planets that are a little brighter in the sky. They believe that that could have been what guided uh, the early Magi, you know, 2,000 years ago. I mean, so it, as, the, as it's prophesied throughout Scripture, in the heavens and the earth, there's this, there's this symphony that is like by secret invitation only in the first century. He goes to the lowest of the low, the shepherds. People didn't want to be around them because they smelled like sheep. So shepherds were the, I don't know, they were the ones that nobody wanted to be around. Angels go and alert them first. That's just the way God is. God is like, yeah, we're not going to the kings. We're not going to go to the shepherds. And we're going to pick a few magi from far away to come and bring gifts because Jesus is going to need financing in order to escape the, the infanticide that is coming, the destruction of children. He's going to need cash to get over into Egypt. So we'll bring these guys in. And some believe that they traveled anywhere from nine months to two years to get to Jesus following the star. So anticipation was growing. And by the way, Jesus is all about anticipation. Even this, this Christmas season with the tree and the, and the presents, I don't have any problem with any of that stuff. I mean, I know some people are really bent out of shape about trees and, you know, the Lord, the Lord can redeem all kinds of scenarios. Whether that started with paganism or something, I could care less right now. I know I look at the tree and I think of eternal life. A tree that, that does, not, does not brown, you know. I, I see the stars. I hung this on my, uh, I hung it. I put it on my Facebook page, Christmas language. I hung it on my Facebook page the other day, a story about Christmas lights. Christmas lights involve, you can watch the video. It's four minutes long. Don't watch it now, but when you get home. It's uh, four minutes long, and it talks about Martin Luther, so 500 years ago. This tradition started in, in Germany. So Martin Luther, um, a, uh, an assistant to Thomas Edison, and a 15-year-old boy are all involved in it. And the fact that we hang Christmas lights the way we do on a tree right now were those three people in the process over the past 500 years. But the origins of it was beholding the stars in the heaven like light shining in the heaven, declaring the beauty of the Lord. Let's put that around an eternal coniferous tree and let's watch it and be reminded. Instead, people get really religious about these things where no gifts were, you know, gifts were meant to be brought to Jesus, not to one another. I kind of like the one another thing. Jesus said, Lord, love the Lord God with all your heart, mind, body, soul, and strength. Love your neighbors yourself. So we give gifts to the Lord, we give gifts to one another. 
We bless the Lord, we bless one another. It's an obedience to Jesus Christ. Christmas is a good time. They say, well, it's really not on December 25th. Then what day is it, Mr. Smart Guy? You don't know either. They think it might be in the spring. Well, that'd be fine. I don't care if it's, let's do Christmas every quarter. It'd be expensive, but it'd be fun. You know, it's all, it's all about the babe that was born in the manger. And so in this prophecy, Isaiah says, for unto us a child is born. The child disruptor, Jesus Christ. He's about to disrupt all kinds of religious thinking. He's gonna disrupt the Roman Empire and ultimately Jesus took down the Roman Empire over a 400 year period, almost 500 years. The seed that was planted in Christ that was inflamed by the Holy Spirit on Pentecost and spread like wildfire over the Roman Empire. I'll tell you something about this child that was born in Isaiah 9 that was prophesied 100 years beforehand. It was not just a, a, a child that, that was being born somewhere. This is a child of promise. This child is to stir anticipation in all of Israel that they understand that, look, God is on your side, God is for you, and he sent a Messiah, a Redeemer to come and give his life for you. This is a seed, and that seed brings hope. In fact, all children bring hope. When a child is born, you know, it's the same thing you see in Scripture. There's great joy that surrounds it. You've been through nine months of, of a pregnancy, what we call expecting a child, anticipating a child. You prepare a room, whatever, a seed that has been planted in a womb is coming, is, is coming together to be born on a special day. You prepare the house, you rejoice, you tell all your friends, you post it on all social media. This is the most beautiful baby in the world. And it speaks of promise and immediately anticipate. What I love about little kids is that it's like every day they change. You're, you're watching the, the opening of it. It's like a gift that gives. And I, I understand I had four kids. This is 99% true. But every day is such a blessing. <laughs> they're doing all these things. They're, you know, they're crawling, they're walking. They're, and you, you tell everyone about it. Oh, you walked three paces, spaces today and then didn't fall down three steps, you know, and didn't fall down. I mean, everyone's like, oh boy, you know, great. You know, it's exciting. Grandparents are even worse, you know. But we, we tell everything, every little thing that's happened. We post it all on social media. Why? Because there's great rejoicing in a child. God knew what he was doing. He planted this seed and he didn't pick the biggest city. He didn't pick the most wealthy people. He, he provided for them. He picked faithful people, put a seed in them and that seed changed their life. And I'm telling you, that same seed, Jesus Christ, when you recognize it on this, this week that we celebrate Jesus' birth, becoming born again is the time when it says you were born from above. In other words, you receive Jesus. Mary is actually the first person to receive Christ. She received Christ in her womb. Biblically, as Christians, we receive Jesus in our hearts. And that seed has a mission and a destiny as you nurture that seed and it begins to grow. When you receive Jesus Christ in your life, your destiny now has shifted and it's good news. It doesn't matter what you've been involved in, doesn't matter where you were born, doesn't matter what color you are, doesn't matter how you were treated growing up. I'm telling you, this seed has the power in the midst of darkness to change everything. 
And it says right here in Isaiah 9, it says, the people who walked in darkness, that's verse two, have seen a great light. This year has been a dark time, but I'm telling you, as you close in and focus in upon the Lord Jesus Christ, there's a light, there's a life that is light that will shine from you and darkness will not overcome it. I can prophesy that because it's biblical. And it says this child, this child, really nobody's threatened by a child unless they know it's gonna be a king that's gonna conquer. For unto us this child is born and unto us a son is given. Listen to this. And the government will be upon his shoulder. In other words, he's in control. He's the God of governments. And his name will be called, and here's some nicknames of this baby. Wonderful, counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. I mean, there's so many. It came came to me during worship today. I don't know, maybe I thought of this, you know, and just forgot about it, but somebody yelled out, uh, uh, was one of our singers in our, in our worship band, just, just called out for Yeshua, the name for Jesus, the, the Greek uh, name for Jesus, Yeshua, or Hebrew, Yeshua. And uh, I just thought, isn't it, isn't it lovely that his name starts with yes? And then immediately I thought of Yahweh. <laughs> Yahweh, that's not no way, it's Yahweh. I mean, there's a sense when you, when you focus on the birth of Jesus Christ, you're engaging your life in a life of yes. Yes, it's no longer living in no, hoping a few yeses will happen. You live in yes, and you know that there'll be some no's along the way, but it's overwhelmingly positive toward the yeses. And when it's a no, God's protecting you for another yes. Did that make sense? Yes. yes. <laughs> Very good. You learn well. It says, wonderful, counselor, each describing attributes of who he was. Counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. Look at this, verse seven. And of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. What is this whole thing of Christmas about? It's about expectation and anticipation. Partly about what gifts you're getting, what gifts you're giving, how they're going to respond, all those kinds. Of, but it's entering into the very thought of God, how God wanted this season to be. I believe he constructed it in his thinking before the beginning of time. He thought, this is what I want to think. I want people to think about God. We want to think that God is ultimately a giver. We want to think that God has provision for you that will ultimately bring overcoming power for every area of your life. Well, that's what you need. I mean, as you move through life, you realize there's a whole lot of things like, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go in this situation. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, was born to bring victory and conquering in your life. It's part of the essence of Jesus. In fact, if you go to 1 John 3, you don't have to need, need to turn there, but let me read it to you. It says, he who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. We get that. We get that sin is related to the enemy, the devil himself. When you do things, when you know to do, the right, do right and you do wrong, the Bible says it is sin. So when you sin, you begin to separate yourself from the, from the gracious love of God. He doesn't move. God will be with you all the time. We move. And it says, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifest that he might destroy the works 
of the devil. I love that. So the babe in a manger is a promise. The babe in a manger, you know, when, when Mary was raising this babe, it says four times the Catholics call it, Catholics call it the four ponderings of Mary. Four times. You remember the time when Jesus was uh, in the, um, the temple and he was debating with the chief scholars of the time. A 12-year-old boy was, I'm sure, confounding them. <laughs> you know, the, the, the elite smart elite on the law and purposes of God and things like that. And they, and they didn't discover that he was gone. Their entourage that was heading back north to Galilee from the festival, they realized, wait, Jesus is not where we thought he was. They lost Jesus. How would you like to lose Jesus? You ever, you ever lose your kids in a mall for a few minutes, you know, and they're hiding in the clothing or something like that? And you're freaking out, you know. You probably freak more out about your, your phone being gone. But anyway, when your, kids, when your kids are gone, you're like, where are they? Mary is upset. She's a, she's a good mom. They go back to Jerusalem. They find him in the temple debating with these guys. And they're like, Jesus, where have you been? Have you ever said that, Mom? Where in the world have you been? You know, if you were my mom, you'd say, I've been worried sick about where you are. You know, we didn't have cell phones. I couldn't call her. You know, what am I supposed to do? Jesus said, hey, I've been about my father's business. And then the Bible goes into this little commentary part where Mary pondered these things in her heart. There are ways and means of God throughout your life that are not going to be typical. God's gonna move this son that has been placed into your heart is messing with you. He's messing with your thinking. He wants, he's bringing a disruption of thought. He wants you to be shaken back into an understanding of who God is and his tremendous love for you, but you have built strongholds in your mind over a lifetime. I'm not worth anything. I'll never amount to anything. I'll try to do my best. And we even shape our language around it. Anything that I do just typically falls apart, so I'm not gonna do anything anymore. I just get up in the morning. I go to work. I wait for the weekend. I mean, there's, a whole, there's millions of people in the United States. Their whole focus is the weekend. Weekend, if I can just get to the weekend and then they party on the weekend and they start back over Monday. I mean, they go over and over and over again. Why? There's no sense of destiny, identity, or understanding in who they are in Christ. Jesus comes to bring a light into that darkness. <laughs> a child is born. A son has been given into your life and he's gonna make impact on your life and there's gonna be times in your life you are understanding that Christ is growing inside of you. Christ's likeness, the Bible calls it, that Jesus is showing up in my life. I didn't think he would do it that way. I didn't think he would talk to me through my boss who doesn't even love God, but he did. I wouldn't think he would speak through my husband. I didn't know my husband knew anything about the Bible. All of a sudden, he's speaking things to me that have truth attached to it, or my wife, or my friend, or my enemy. Sometimes enemies speak the clearest truth. You know, you realize that, wow, I don't want to hear that from them. I need confirmation from someone else. And the Lord will give you that confirmation from another enemy in your life, you know. So Jesus is being revealed. So what is he here for? 
One of the great purposes is destroying the works of the enemy. Acts 10 says this. Acts chapter 10, verse 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all. Get this part right here. Who are oppressed of the devil for God was with him. I'm telling you, God wants to shake the devil out of your life. (laughs) And he did it through the gift of his son. When you receive Jesus Christ in your life, he goes into every part of your life. Is this decluttering going on? I mean, he's clearing things out. He's, he's getting all the junk out of your life, the addictions, the concerns, everything else. By, why? Because you're being shaped and fashioned into Jesus Christ himself. This is what's really interesting. Um, when Jesus was born, I believe from what I read in Scripture, that hell itself was terrorized by this birth. It stirred up all dominions of hell because they understood, somehow they intuitively know, they also know scripture, they intuitively know this son is being born to ultimately destroy the works of the evil one. That's not only in our life, but remember according to John 1, this light shines in darkness. That means that everywhere you go, Janet Porter, wherever you go, light goes. Right now in everything that we're experiencing in the United States, I guarantee you there's a lot of darkness in there. There's things that are hidden. There's things that need to be revealed. If you want to pray any prayer right now, pray for light in the midst of darkness. Pray that God will go into places, in back rooms, inside buildings, in different places around the world and click on the lights. Right now, things are being exposed. Even in our government, I believe the Lord's behind that. I was talking to my brother yesterday. The presence of God just filled our conversation. I started prophesying, you know, and I I just believe that we're gonna see a lot of Congress uh, leave uh, in 2021. They're gonna resign. I believe that there's gonna be an exposure at a high level across this government because Jesus Christ is on the move. Did you know there's always connections between major challenges in nations and the breakouts of revival? That God does like to at times come in and clean house before revival comes into a nation? Is it possible that this nation is right on the edge of a major revival? There's a visitation that's coming to this country. Why we've gone through almost a year now of just difficulty and challenge as it continues to drip into our lives. I mentioned last week, it's a plow in the ground. The Lord is plowing the ground so his seed can go in. This is the time for Jesus Christ to show up and begin to grow. But we must nurture that relationship. You spend time with the seed. Jesus is the seed, according to Scripture, that's being put into your heart. You know, about uh, three years ago, I was thinking about this morning, about three years ago, um, I had a a dream that I've mentioned here many times, but uh, so I won't go into the details, about a golf ball. But I thought, what is a golf ball? You know, but it was, I knew it was God. I knew this dream was, and it was a long dream. And uh, actually, when I woke up, I woke up laughing, it was about five in the morning, and the presence of God, I've been able to experience a lot of things in my life, but I'd never experienced anything like this. The tangible presence of God was so thick in the room that there was the ability to communicate in a way that I never did. So I asked the Lord questions. I asked the Lord questions. I asked him words for each of my 
uh, kids and their spouses and my grandkids. He gave me all of it. I mean, it was just, it was three hours long. My wife was with me. It was, we were still in bed. I was just three hours in bed. And, and we got hit five times with this, this roll of laughter. But here's the thing I want to tell you that, that was so key about it. This atmosphere, which I'd never experienced like this before in my life, the atmosphere was an atmosphere of heaven. It was the presence of God. It was such joy that nothing could be taken serious in it. It was, it was wild. It was almost like there was, I, I say this with reverence, but it's the only way I can interpret it. It was almost like kidding going on joking going on in the heavenly realm. I believe that's what happened at the time of Jesus' birth. When it talks about exceeding joy, sometimes we hear that with a religious tone. You know, we've heard it. We've read it in Scripture. I mean, it's, it's, it's not a full-dimensional understanding. You know, we say, and there was exceeding joy, great joy. And we say it in ways that are not joyful. It was an exceeding joy. And heaven rejoiced, and the people rejoiced, the shepherds rejoiced. <laughs> what was happening was they were laughing. They were full of joy. I mean, I don't know what fully happened to them, but you know, our nativities can't properly uh, uh, demonstrate this. Uh, they might have been laying on the ground, I don't know, but they, they were overwhelmed with the sense of like, whoa, this is hope, this is a dream. When I had that experience three years ago in February, February 9th, 2018, when I had the experience and I finally came out of that, that taste marked my life. From, the, from there on, it started opening doors. That was a pondering in the spirit right there. That was a pondering of Christ and a transforming. I'm telling you, God wants to visit you at different times to encourage you because he knows that hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a desire fulfilled is the tree of life. Where was the tree of life? It was in the Garden of Eden. God's called us to feast off of the tree of life. As believers, we walk knowing that I am in Christ and Christ is in me and the love of God is gonna fill everywhere I go. Let's stand together if we could. <laughs> this baby, this baby in a manger speaks hope for your future. I wrote a summary at the end of this. I just want to read these three points real quick. Make sure I covered everything. Jesus speaks of a promise to transform every one of us and a promise of eternally being with him. Even if you don't know what that means. It's like, I'd rather be with him. He's the creator of the universe. He comes at times in an unusual package. He did as a babe. It will need to be tended like a seed and it will disrupt your world. But you're gonna live the most adventurous life you've ever had. I know some of you, I, 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 I know people, I know myself. You get weary in well-doing. The Bible says, don't get weary in well-doing. You will reap if you don't faint. Just don't give up, don't faint. And some of you have compromised beliefs, compromised thoughts, compromised actions. Put yourself in a lesser place because it just seemed like too much effort. Let me tell you, if it was too much effort, how can I say this lovingly? Uh, it's not the right Jesus. 
The Jesus of the Bible came to break yokes off of you, not put yokes on you. And the abuse, the wounds, I'm talking to someone here right now, the abuse, the wounds, the concerns, even of, of Christian people or churches, abuse, rejections, fears, all those things come upon you. That's not God. God actually came to break that off of you. He has life in you and available to you that's gonna change. It is a game changer, totally. And I just wanna ask the Jesus right now to just come. Oh, my phone's talking to me here. Right now, with your eyes just closed before the Lord, where's Jay? Come on over, Jay. If you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, this is an amazing day to do it. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. In other words, you say, but you can say that every day. Exactly. Today is the day of salvation. In this season, this Advent right now, what better time to say, Jesus, I know I'm your son. I know I'm your daughter. I just, Lord, I've wandered off of, Lord, will you remember me when you come into your kingdom? I can tell you right now, I've read the Bible. Jesus responds in a positive way. You're in. Yield your life fully to Jesus Christ. Allow this babe to come into your heart. Let him grow. You are going to be shaped and changed and molded into the person you're called to be. You're going to affect you. You're going to affect your family. You're going to affect your neighborhood, your environment, maybe even a nation or a state. You're going to be a light because the light of God is in you. Jay, lead us in a prayer for those who want to give their hearts to the Lord. Let's pray for folks. If you'd like to receive that gift for Christmas this year, if you're watching online, you're in this room, would you just put your hand over your heart with me? You don't have to repeat after me. Just agree. Jesus, the greatest gift you've ever given came in a manger. Jesus, this morning, we recognize that heaven's greatest gift is what we honor on Christmas. That the God of the universe who sat on a throne surrounded by continuous praise, all of heaven and earth, singing out and testifying the power of who he is and what he has done. That you're the kind of God who would humble yourself, come in human flesh, live a perfect sinless life so that we could have access to the Father. So this Christmas, Jesus, I invite you into my heart. I invite you for real to come into my heart. I don't just repeat a prayer or just or vow to be different, but I invite the presence of the most holy God to make its home in my heart. That through Jesus' birth and his death and his resurrection, I have access to the Father and more than that, but to be a part of the family of God. Come into my life. I don't want to just have different behavior, Jesus. I want to have a heart that's surrendered. Come and take over my life in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer with us this morning, welcome to the family. 
we have a, a message. I think we can put it up on the screen that if you received Jesus for the first time or recommitted your heart, we would love to be able to connect with you and pray with you. I'd like to invite all of our ministry teams to come forward. If you could come up. Our teams are all going to be wearing masks and ready to minister to you. I think there's some special Christmas words up here today. Amen. How many have, it's been a while since you've received a word of encouragement from the Lord or prophetic word. Well, we have a team of trained professionals here who are ready to pray and, and hear from God for you. But if you would, would you just raise up your right hand? We want to bless you as you leave today. Bethel Cleveland, in the name of Jesus, we bless you this Advent season that the Lord would come close, that you would find him in every conversation, that you would find him in your meals at, at the table. You would find him at the Christmas tree on Christmas morning, that you would have continual pauses where you sense and feel the closeness and pleasure of God, and that this Christmas would be a different one because the Lord would draw closer than he's ever drawn before, that you would see friends and family who are far from him calling you and wanting to repent and wanting to give their heart to Jesus, that this would be the start of, re of a revival promise from heaven over 2,000 years ago that because God came, everything can be different. Bless you in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Don't forget, as you exit those doors, we have a special Christmas gift prepared for you. Merry Christmas.